1: Thank you for joining us once again with the Gist of Freedom, the Gist of Freedom Blog Radio Talk Show. We're here at Jazz at Lincoln Center with the famous world-renowned trombonist, composer, writer, author, Ron Westray. Hello, sir. How are you today?
2: Doing great. Doing great. Um, Trying to come down off of the uh, performance um, a few minutes ago, and uh, feeling good.
1: Tell us, tell us about this group that you're performing with, and um, and and some of the music you all played tonight was just incredible.
2: Yes, this uh, this is the first band that um, I I joined uh, when I was a young musician. My first opportunity, like when I made the jazz draft, as you might call it. This was my first gig, which was uh, the Marcus Roberts Ensemble. And so now here 20 years later, um, I'm one of the veterans now uh, and 20 years has gone by like a flash and now we have a whole crew of younger musicians uh, that were the, that are the age that I was back in the day and now we're the mentors for them. and so it's, it's a real thrill to um, see the young guys coming up like we did in Marcus's uh, ensemble, uh, the Marcus Roberts um, you know, uh, next generation. Uh, or modern jazz generation, as he calls it. So it's really, it's really exciting to just see the cycle continuing, you know. And uh, tonight uh, is a hallmark of that, of that, that cycle. And you know, you can really see um, the evolution of the band and uh, and the continual, you know, of the music, you know. And so, very excited and very honored to uh, be a part of uh, this legacy that Marcus started over 20 years ago. And, and we're still at it. Still at it.
1: And tell our audience about the music tonight. Uh, you just got—I mean—a a, a, well—an overwhelming of compliments tonight about the performance, the the arrangements. It just—it it was just amazing.
2: Thanks. Uh, the music tonight was based on uh, four pianists: Chick Corea, Jelly Roll Morton, uh, Thelonious Monk, and. Uh, one other pianist. Um, but essentially all of the music came out of um, um, three or four pianists' uh, repertoire. Jelly Roll Morton, uh, Thelonious Monk, and Chick Corea. Uh, there's one other pianist that I can't remember right now that we also addressed his music. Uh, songs like Filthy McNasty, Hard Silver, that's the other pianist. So uh, we actually are taking classic recordings and re rearranging them for this uh, ensemble and I think that's the thing that makes the music so exciting uh, Lots of people in the jazz world know these famous recordings by these famous pianists, but they don't get to hear Those same recordings that they've listened to uh, redistributed reorchestrated for an entire ensemble So I think people really get a kick out of the, familiar- the familiarity of the songs, but also the the uh, the, the, the new iteration of the song with the new ensemble and the younger musicians playing the classics. Things like Filthy McNasty, um, Little Rudy Tootie, um, Mojo, a Joe Henderson classic made famous by Horace Silver, um, Cool Eyes, t- songs like that. Uh, older things like Jelly Roll Morton's The Chant, uh, Dr. Jazz, Early Jazz, uh, as well as things like Light Blue by Thelonious Monk. Um, and things like Coming on the Hudson we also did uh, Chick Corea Windows which is a famous um, composition by Chick so a very ambitious program and uh, a lot of music I think we played about 21 songs tonight
1: just amazing yeah
2: in between two sets Uh, and this was the second night so it was uh, it was really good because we had a chance to kind of test everything out last night and then this was uh, the second night so I felt like it even stepped up even more
1: and give our audience a little bit about your experience here at Jazz at Lincoln Center.
2: Yes, uh well we are here at the um new hall, the Jazz at Lincoln Center, um House of Swing as they call it. And uh it just so happens that um I played in the band that built this hall. Uh Winton's band started in nineteen ninety-three, the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra. And I started out as the lead trombonist for that ensemble at age 22 or 23. And at that time, we were still rehearsing and performing on the old campus of Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center, which is Alice Telly Hall, the Metropolitan Opera, American Ballet Theater, that campus. And so they etched out, eked out a little room for jazz, and we started there. But from being on the road for 10 years straight, that band, we literally earned the funds and built the uh, equity, you might say, uh, leading up to, to what,
1: we see now. what we
2: see now, which is the new Jazz and Lincoln Center. So if you go from about 1993, uh, the doors opened f- to this new hall in 2004. Uh, and so I like, to, I like to say that I was in the band that built the hall because we, we, we did it by the sweat of our brow on the road, literally building the equity so that we could um, put in the bid for what we see now
1: and the music you composed which you got a, a Grammy nod for
2: yes uh the the new building opened in 2004 uh i was given a commission by winton in 2005 uh, and the commission uh was based on a classic literary work named don quixote which is one of the most well-known novels in all time um uh, the challenge was to compose a jazz rendition of this famous Spanish novel, so I have the honor of being the first jazz composer to write a an oratorio or a jazz opera based on Don Quixote, and we premiered that in 2005 here at the New Hall. So about a year after the doors opened, I had a huge premiere here. And that would actually turn out to be my last year in the band, which was 12 years in. So after about 12 years, I had my big premiere um, and uh, essentially left Winton's band around that time to enter academia.
1: And that particular um, musical, composed music, allow you all to get the Grammy? Um,
2: yes, I received a... Um, not the Grammy for the Don Quixote piece, but I, I received a Pulitzer Prize nomination Wonderful. for the uh, jazz opera based on Don Quixote, and it's it's titled Chivalrous Misdemeanors. So um, I took and kind of just changed the implication of the novel, and kind of drew another title out of the out of the implication of the novel novel, uh, and I uh, named the opera Chivalrous Misdemeanors, uh, and so I was able to get a yeah a Pulitzer nom for that. And uh, that year, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't walk away with, with the Pulitzer, but I got the nomination. But that year, they actually decided to give Thelonious Monk a posthumous award that year, oh, that and uh, and so I was, you know, I couldn't be, couldn't be yeah. mad at that. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, of course, I wanted, wanted to, I would have really liked that, you know, Pulitzer for jazz at that time, at age thirty-five, but. Uh, the fact that they they decided to give Monk the, the posthumous award that year, I, you know, it's like okay, yeah, I can yeah, I can roll with that because I love Monk, you know?
3: yes.
2: And so, um, and that's and so yeah. That was two oh four, two oh five, and uh, essentially I left the band around two oh five. Uh, the original Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra, and that orchestra, of course, is now the house band here at the New Hall. Mm. Uh,
4: thank you. It was a very slow evolution uh, in terms of really um, knowing that I would. Be on the track to become a jazz musician. I, I would say by about age sixteen, I knew that I wanted to be in the legacy of, of jazz. Uh, but I had a lot of work ahead of me. But I, I would say that about age sixteen was my illumination. But I started in the black marching bands down south. That's my tradition. If you've ever seen the movie Drumline, that's that's how I came up uh, in that that uh, environment. And uh, I was always a leader in that environment. I started with the middle school marching band, which turned into the high school marching band, which turned into the college marching band, and we're talking about black high-stepping.
5: career come about you know. not all musicians that play an instrument are composers sure. so this is a rare um, beautiful opportunity for you to really bring
4: your instrumental
5: and composing writing music to another level so tell sure.
4: us about the composing career uh, in jazz typically all jazz musicians are composers because improvisation which is the, the spontaneous element in jazz which is when we in hip hop by freestyle. So in hip hop you have freestyling, which is where you have a vocabulary but you are using it spontaneously. So it's the same in jazz. We have a set vocabulary, but it's a question of how much of it you can access spontaneously and that's improvisation. So that's spontaneous composition. So all jazz musicians are composers because we are we, we we're composing all the time when we improvise. Now the the formal still on that path. So I started that um, around, uh, in, in undergrad, I was conscious about, you know, studying composition and, and figuring out how to uh, begin the process of writing like the masters, Duke and illustrate on. And then my next step was actually to just imitate compositional masters. So I started imitating Thelonious Pump's music, finding Thelonious Pump's music at the piano, imitating Duke Allenton's music, transcribing scores, and literally pulling every note off. CDs from the big bands, new fans, uh, analyzing scores. And then I, then the opportunities started rolling in. Wenton uh went and recognized my talent, uh in when I was in, in Ensemble as a composer. So he started asking me pretty early on to write for the fans. So I started writing for Wenton's band in nineteen ninety nine. Um, that would have been about, you know, eight years or so after my illumination. I mean, I'm to not too, not too shabby. About eight or nine years later, I was band. Uh, and,
5: uh, and tell us about this new album, this new release you have, that and where we can find it and tell us what it's about.
4: Thanks. Uh it's a slight departure um towards uh, other interests that I have in music. Um you know jazz and blues have a very have really the same mother, you know? And uh, So on the blues side of things, one of my favorite artists um, is Jimi Hendrix. Because Jimi Hendrix, of course, is associated with rock, but at the core, he's playing blues. And he's playing the entire blues tradition. Uh, So when I listen to Jimi, I can hear the entire Delta blues tradition coming through his music. And so I've always been uh, very attracted to Jimi Hendrix. So I finally got around... This year, after after years and years of saying to myself, I want to do a Jimmy record, I finally got the Jimmy Hendrix record done this year. It's packaged. It's brilliant. What's
5: the name of
4: it? It's called Jimmy Jazz. And uh, it's on uh, my record label called Blue Canoe Records, the label that I'm on. Uh, you can also, it's everywhere. It's, it's on Amazon. It's on CD Baby. It's, out, it's on iTunes. It's on SoundCloud. You can also buy physical units so the distribution is good um, Jimmy Jazz and that's spelled like
5: This will be your second or third.
4: Grammy Association, one Pulitzer Association, and now I'm working on my own Grammy I mean, nod uh, with Jimmy Jazz, and I think it's, I'm very optimistic about it because uh, people are very excited. People who listen to it, the record company is very excited about uh, what we were able to accomplish um, in explain uh, Jimmy's music in a jazz setting, but more so about where the tumbao. People ask me, well, how are you going to do that on trombone? How are you going to play Jimmy's music? But come on, what are you going to do? And so, uh, come on,
5: come on. Uh, Well, we know you're art historian. Tell us a little bit about that, and do you know William Steele Grant?
4: William Still Grant, yes, the uh, the black composer. Um of course I, I have not studied William uh, Grant's music uh in detail, but of course, coming to school former education, you know, you can't can't avoid uh uh black history that was pedagogy But uh I I can't say that uh, I'm studying in his music, but very aware well of his legacy. But I, I've actually admittedly I would I have I have focused on European composers probably more so um uh, than black composers.
5: What could you leave our young audience, you know, young men and young women that that are pursuing a career in music, entertainment, especially in instrumental music, what can you leave for that audience?
4: I would say uh, make a decision uh, relating to where your passion really is. It's not a thing, you know, make sure it's not just your parents telling you take piano lessons, not just your parents telling you play the horn or parents telling you to Take ballet lessons. Make sure that it's that you have a passion because if if it's your passion, essentially you're gonna you're gonna figure out the things and you're gonna seek out the things that you need to do. Uh, so I would first and foremost make sure that it's a true passion, that's true interest of yours, and not just something that you're doing because your brother did it or your sister did it or because your dad said you should play guitar. Uh, make sure it's a, a true passion, and I think that'll that that in itself will uh, cover a lot of ground uh, for those students who don't necessarily know that they want to be professional musicians, um, but they're playing instruments, I would say uh, work as hard as you can because uh, music um, music uh, fuels <laughs> the soul either way. So whether you know you're going to be a professional musician or not, I would say work as hard as you can at learning your instrument, learning the history of the instrument, learning the language of the instrument. Uh, And one or two things might happen. Maybe by working hard, you will find that passion. But at the least, you will have that experience. And so just enjoy music. Uh, And for those students who already know that they want to uh, be a professional musician, uh, it's a lot of hard work like any profession. So anything that you're going to be good at, anything that you're going to get acclaimed for, it's going to be a lot of hard work. And in music... You have these shows like American Idol, and it kind of gives the impression that all you got to do is get up on stage and get some applause, and then you, you're a musician, or you. And it's just that's not the reality, you know. Real accomplishment in music uh, requires uh, complete dedication to the instrument, uh, and complete dedication to the history of the music, whatever, uh, whatever the historical implication of your instrument or the historical implication of the particular music you're playing. Uh, you have to dedicate yourself. To whatever that is, to to be well known and 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 noted for what you're doing, uh, there are no shortcuts in real music. Now, in popular music, we see a lot of shortcuts because it has to do with aesthetics and what you're wearing or something like that, more so than your actual musical ability. And that's commercial music, and that's always going to be like that. But for for quote unquote real musicians, it's a it's a complete dedication. And uh, but the reward is that the the music rewards that and and with the knowledge
5: itself. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to world renowned trombonist Ron Westray. Ron, please let our new audience know where they can follow you, whether on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, please let us know your, you know, what um how can we locate you?
4: a lot yes I I'm, I have a Twitter account um under Ron Westray uh also uh, LinkedIn under Ron Westray my Facebook page uh all under Ron Westray. Uh also that up
5: for
4: um that's W E S T R A Y. Uh Ron Westray, W E S T R A Y. And so all of those pages are under my name, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh as well as LinkedIn. Most importantly, uh, I'm a professor at a huge university in Toronto, Ontario, named York University, with 60,000 students on that campus, and I've been um, um, in that position since 2009, and in fact, my my title is the Oscar Peterson Chair in Jazz Performance, and so I've been there five years. One of the main uh, places you can find me is on campus at York University. However, this year uh, I'm off doing research. But if you'd like to contact me by email, I am an emailer more so than a texter. So email me at r-w-e-s-t-r-a-y at yorku.ca, and I'll respond to your email. Wonderful. Thank you,
5: for
4: Listening? Yes, uh this same band, Marcus Roberts and the Modern Jazz Generation, uh, we will be playing Burlington, Vermont uh from October, I believe, twenty fifth through the twenty seventh. So just I don't have the details of the hall, but if you Google Marcus Roberts, Modern Jazz Generation, Burlington, Vermont, uh you should see dates pop up somewhere in the range of October twenty fifth, twenty seventh. Those of you listening that are in that in that um that demographic Come check us out, or if you've got friends that you know that are in that demographic up there in uh, in Vermont, tell them to come check us out in Burlington around that time. Also, we'll be back at Jazz at Lincoln Center in January at Dizzy's Club Coca-Cola. So I'm working a lot right now with my old boss, Marcus, and that's good. I need the work. It's good to play, and uh, good to see the young guys coming out. So we'll be back at Jazz at Lincoln Center at Dizzy's. Uh, tonight we play at the Appel Room. That's the mid-size room. Um... Uh, but in January, we'll be uh, in the Jazz Club, um, which is called Dizzy's Club Coca-Cola. There are three rooms here at Jazz Lincoln Center, the Jazz Club, the Appell Room, and the Big Rose Hall. So we'll be at Dizzy's Club Coca-Cola in January. Wonderful.
5: Thank you all for listening. Just the Freedom blog, talk, radio show. I'm Antonio Badone. And thank you, Ron Westray, for allowing us to be here to interview you at the Jazz and Lincoln Center in New York City. Have a good night.